Are you sure? Okay. All right. Thank you, Lord, for your presence with us today. Thank you, Lord, that we have ears to hear, that we have eyes to see. Thank you, Lord, that you dwell within us, that Holy Spirit dwells within us, giving us courage and wisdom for this day and every day. In Jesus' mighty name. So, today, the title of our message is, The Devil Knows Who You Are, Do You? We're continuing our series on spiritual warfare. The devil knows who you are. The devil knows who you are, and he is trembling in his boots. Do you know who you are? So, as we start today, I feel it a little bit necessary. I briefly want to go back and explain the virgin birth. I know you're going to sit here and think, oh, what does that have to do with spiritual warfare? But it has everything to do with it. It is very important to the authority of Jesus here on this earth. You see, because God gave dominion to Adam, a man. God gave dominion to Adam, a man. And Adam gave it away through disobedience, through sin. And Jesus was going to come back and win our dominion back for us, but God had to do it legally according to his word, according to his plan. And Adam gave up important territory Jesus won it back, okay? This should make you, just right off the bat today, make you realize that yes, you can give up territory to the devil and the Lord will help you win it back. He's already done it, in fact, through him. And you just need to take hold of that and understand what has been accomplished on your behalf. God always keeps his word, so he had to work through his word to legally take back the devil's dominion, to take that, that, that dominion that had been given to him through sin and disobedience, to take it back. So Jesus had to come in the flesh. He had to come in the flesh to win our dominion back. Jesus had to confront and conquer the devil and all the demons of darkness in the flesh as a man, just like you do. He gave you that. Because of what he did, you can now stand in the authority of Christ. He had to, it, it, that is what made it perfectly legal, perfectly legal for him to win back what Adam had given away. Okay? to destroy every work of the enemy. Jesus did it as a man through the Holy Spirit. You should realize you stand in the same position if you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. So, Mary received the word of God. Mary received the word when she said, when she said, be it unto me according to thy word. Be it unto me according to thy word. Okay? She, at that moment, gave God permission. She agreed with God. She agreed with the word gave him permission. She agreed with his plan to bring Christ to earth, born of a virgin, when she received his word. Do you get that? If you want to win back territory, you must receive God's word. 
and agree with his word and nothing else. Actually, if you don't want to lose it in the first place, you can just agree with his word from the very get-go, and then you'll never lose the territory. But at any rate, he gave us a plan of redemption. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. You're so merciful and kind. So anyway, at that point, God's plan to redeem mankind, people kind, from the curse was planted, and I mean in, in physically, real life, And spiritually, it was planted in the earth. Because why? Because God is, the word is incorruptible seed. Incorruptible seed. 1 Peter 1.23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. Every time you speak the word into your situation, you are speaking incorruptible seed. It can't be defeated. It doesn't wither up and die. It's incorruptible seed. The word of God, which liveth, live, living, 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 living word from a living God, and abideth forever, abideth forever. So Christ was born of incorruptible seed through faith. She stood in faith, agreeing with God, be it unto me, according to your word. Okay? She agreed. There was no death in that incorruptible seed. There was never any death in Jesus. He had to be born. I'm giving you all this to help just a really, really quick, quick understanding that he had to be born in the flesh Born of a virgin because the bloodline follows the Father. And in the Old Testament, all inheritance followed the Father. Okay? The life of the flesh is in the blood. That's an important statement out of Leviticus. The life of the flesh is in the blood. So if the life of the flesh is in the blood, so can be death. That's what happened when when Adam gave it up. Okay? So so can death because the absence of life is... So because Adam sinned, Every person after Adam sinned, every person after that had both life and death in their blood. But Jesus, Jesus, but Jesus, but Jesus, but Jesus was not born through the bloodline of man. That is critical. He was not born through the bloodline of man, but through faith, through the incorruptible word. Mary agreed with God, the bloodline of God. His conception was not from an earthly father. It was not with earthly bloodline. His blood had no death in it. Hallelujah. And when you become born again, you receive the blood transfusion of the Lord Jesus Christ. which is life, 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 and not death. And only life. His conception was not through an earthly father with earthly bloodline. You have not received that when you are born again. His blood was not tainted. You have received from him the gift of life. 
So when Jesus came to earth, he operated as a man. He stripped himself of all divine power on your behalf and operated as a man in the authority of man under the power of the Holy Spirit. No different from you. The same, the same, the same, the same, the same. He operated just like you and I must operate in this world. He operated not as the son of God, but as the son of man, just like you and I. His birth as a man in flesh here on the earth, it is that that gave him the legal right, the authority to destroy every work of the devil. And you are called to do the same thing. You're called to do the exact same thing. And he's given you everything you need to do it. You just need to see yourself that way. So I've explained all that very quickly to help us realize that when we are in Christ, his same mode of operandi is our mode of operandi. Get that? The very same. He won for us every promise in the scripture. And he called us, you are called, you are equipped, you are ready, you are ready. Say, I am ready. I am able because of what Jesus won for me. So you are able to do his work. You are equipped and ready to do his work just like him. And even greater works. He has given you that authority. It is our inheritance through the new birth. So here's the deal. The devil knows who you are. He knows who you are. But the real question is do you know who you are? Do you know it? Do you know it in your spirit? Do you know it in your heart of hearts? Who you are. That is the entire key to spiritual warfare. You must know that so that you can employ the weapons. Okay? Every believer, every believer must know who they are. Every believer must know who is in them. Every believer must know what belongs to them because of Jesus. Every believer must employ the weapons of their warfare, which are not carnal, but spiritual to the pulling down of strongholds. The devil knows, he knows that he no longer has any legal right to any of your turf. None. No legal right to anything in your life, any of your territory, any of your turf. None. That's why he has to lie to you. That's why he has to try to deceive you. That's why he doesn't play fair. He's a loser scrambling, trying to find a way. But you're standing in the blood, so there is no way. So, do you, this is a very serious question. You need to answer it. Everyone for himself or herself. Do you walk in what you legally own. And you may answer yourself, well, you know, in some areas, I, I see that. But be honest with yourself. In some areas, I may not see that. It doesn't mean it's not yours, because he has redeemed it all, okay? But we all need to be honest with ourselves, you know? You, Part of the spiritual warfare is recognizing the attack, okay? 
So do you realize and walk in the fact that the devil no longer has any, any authority over you? None! The devil has to get your permission to defeat you. And we're not going to give it to him. We're not going to give it to him. No one in this church is going to give it to him. Because we are standing on the rock of the word. He can challenge you all he wants. Challenges will come. He can challenge you all he wants, but he cannot win. He cannot gain the victory over any believer standing in what Jesus has won for them. He cannot steal a single promise of the word from you. He has given you a whole lot. Every promise in this scripture belongs to you, and the devil has no right to it. None whatsoever. John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Thank you very much, devil. I will take the abundant life of God and I will not receive your death and destruction. No thank you. You can just keep it right where you are. Don't even approach. No takers here. I will not receive your death sentence. God has given me abundant life, and that's what I have. That's what I walk in. That's what I, that's what I believe. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Well, guess what? We are not going to give him permission to devour us. It's a very, you know, you don't even have to be concerned about that scripture in terms of the outcome. It says he's going to roar like a lion, seeking whom he may devour, but you just say, well, <laughs> it's over here because I'm not going to allow it. I'm not going to let you devour me. You can't devour me. I'm not someone you can devour. Okay? I'm not going to give you, devil, I'm not going to give you permission to devour me. How am I not going to do that? I'm going to stay humble before my God. I'm going to stay obedient to my God. I'm going to stay submitted to the word. Even when the word says something that I don't like, I'm going to pray to the Lord and ask him to give me the strength and the fortitude to do it his way and not my way. I'm going to stay in prayer. I'm not just going to, you know, bulldog ahead like a bull in a china shop and do things my way. I'm going to stop and I'm going to say, what do I do here, Lord? In all my decisions, I'm going to stay obedient. I'm going to stay submitted. I'm going to repent when I need to repent. I'm going to draw nigh to God. I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask for the counsel of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray about what I do. I am not going to be deceived by the lying and deceitful plans of the devil and his cohorts. I will agree with God. I will agree with his word in my life. And I will decree it. We are meant to decree a thing. Not just let it roll around in our brains. Speak the word. I'm going to say, devil, your charge stops here. Devil, your charge stops here. I am not one of those whom you may devour. You will not steal from me the truth of the word or my hope in God. Jesus came and destroyed your works. That's what he did. 
and I am going to stand in the finished work of Christ. Regardless of what things may look like out there, I know what's in here. You know what's in here. 1 John 3, 8. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Scripture tells us that demons tremble in their boots. I added that part. (laughs) They tremble knowing who Christ is. Well, devil and every demon from hell, if you try to enter my zone, you're just going to tremble and shake and fall down and die. The only shaking that's going to go on here is you, not me. So, do you take this seriously? Do you enforce it? It is not enough to just know the Bible. It's not enough to just know the Bible. You are an enforcer. You are an enforcer. James 12, 2, 9. James 2, 9. 19. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that. And shudder. From the Amplified Classic Edition, you believe that God is one. You do well. So do the demons believe and shudder in terror and horror, such as make a man's hair stand on end and contract the surface of his skin. I read that and I thought that was awesome. So every time you think of that, just think, that's what's happening. That's what's happening to the devil. Is that any threat to you? No. None whatsoever. The devil has seen the power of the blood. He was at the crucifixion. He was he saw the resurrection. He knows the power of the blood. He was sorely disappointed that day. And he remains sorely disappointed in our lives today. When we understand the power of the blood. The finished work, what's been done. Don't let the demons say of you what they said about the seven sons of Sceva. You want to know? You want to know what that was? I'm glad you asked. And even if you didn't ask, I probably would have told you. Acts 19, verse 11. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Isn't that you walking in Christ? Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried, tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. See, they didn't even know Jesus. They were like, that guy over there is preaching, and I think I'll try that. I think I'll just, like, try out that formula. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them. Jesus, I know. (laughs) And Paul, I know about. (laughs) But who are you? They were laughing. 
Don't let the devil laugh at you. Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. You are not meant to run out of the house naked and bleeding. When the devil tries to come to your territory, you say there's a bloodline between you and I. I've got a force shield all around me and there's nothing you can do about it. I'm bulletproof. Whoa, that reminds me of a spiritual dream the Lord gave me like three years ago. I'll have to tell you that someday. (laughs) That was an awesome dream, man. The Lord just like brought that back to my mind. Do you know, you want me to tell you that dream? Man, I haven't thought of that dream in ages. Wow. Anyway, bring it all back, Lord. (laughs) Anyway, my family was in a car, and we were driving, and everything was going well, and all of a sudden, everything like turns dark, and you can feel this like really ominous feeling around you, and we're driving, and we're driving, and it's, you know, getting, and all of a sudden, machine guns unload on our car. I'm saying machine guns. There were holes blasted all through that car. We were all in the car together. And so we're going through this enemy battlefield, and we get out to the end, and I'm sitting here thinking, what's this all about, Lord? This is in the dream. I'm not thinking this like in real life. I'm still dreaming. I'm like, what's this all about, Lord? And he's like, no worries, I've got you. And I turn around, and I like get out of the car, and the whole thing, the whole car is like totally destroyed. And all of a sudden, one by one, all the family gets out of the car, and not a hair on our head was hurt. See that? That's the Lord on our behalf. He is, it, I mean, you should have seen the car. I mean, seriously, it it was just a bunch of holes. But nothing had come inside. Nothing had touched us. Wow. I had totally forgotten about that dream. But anyway, that's how the Lord is. He is a shield around about us. Okay? Anyway, so Sceva, he was a Jewish high priest. His sons were not believers. They basically tried to copy a formula that that they had seen, but they had no relationship. To have relationship like this, you need to be a born again believer and grow yourself up. Well, just to have relationship, you just need to be a born again believer. But then you have a job to grow yourself up. They had no relationship with Jesus. So, as a result of that, they had no authority. None whatsoever. They thought they did and they didn't, and they got totally harmed. They got beaten up. This, basically, what they were doing was basically witchcraft. Let's just call it what it was. That's what's, it's witchcraft. But we, as the sons and daughters of the Most High God... Believers in Christ, we have the authority that Christ has. Just like Paul, you're just like him. Okay? The devil is only as big as someone is going to allow him to be in their lives. You understand that? I'm not trying to bring judgment and condemnation on anybody. I'm giving you hope that there's a way out. Because you don't have to allow him to be big in your life, okay? We are not going to give him ground. 
We will not relinquish our territory. I will not give up the land. I will not give up anything that the blood of Jesus has purchased for me. We have taken the land, and we will occupy until he comes. That's our mission. Spiritual warfare is real, but it's not to be feared because you've already won. It is two kingdoms. You know, I do, I, I do beg a little with this. It's really not two kingdoms at war with one another. You know, everybody says it's two kingdoms at war. Well, the war's already been won. It's a lesser kingdom trying to influence the God kingdom. But God already won the war. So yes, it is two kingdoms opposed to one another. Believe me, that's some big opposition. I wouldn't want to be opposing God. So in reality, what it is, is it's a lesser kingdom trying to exalt itself against the higher kingdom, the God kingdom, the kingdom of God, just like Lucifer did. Did Lucifer win? No, he was thrown down. Just do the throw down, guys. Right? So we have to realize that we belong to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of power, the kingdom of authority, the kingdom of the risen Lord, and that he has already won, Colossians 1.13, for he has rescued, rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. And you're the son he loves too. You're the daughter he loves too. He sees you the same as Jesus. God already won through Christ's blood, but the devil will never stop challenging you. Just get it right. He can challenge, but he can't win. He will never stop challenging and trying to win people over to the dark side. He will do whatever he has to to accomplish that task. He doesn't play fair. He doesn't play by the rules. When we stay submitted to God and follow Christ, the devil cannot win you over. Do not open the door to let the devil come in because Jesus slammed the door shut on your behalf. Okay? It is locked tight by the blood of Jesus. Joshua, he took the land He took the land because he was strong and courageous. He believed in the vision of God, and he stood for that. No matter what it looked like, he was strong and courageous. He went in, he took the land, and he knew the God whom he was serving. As for me and my house, he said, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm not going to challenge you, God. I'm not going to disagree with you, God. I'm not going to try to do it my way. I will serve you. I will serve you. I will serve you. I will serve you. Nobody likes that word anymore. We all want to be God's friends. Well, we are God's friends, but we still serve the Lord. Okay? Joshua did not stay idle. He stayed awake and aware and strong. He did not fall asleep at the wheel. The devil knows whom you are serving. The devil knows whom you are serving, and he is shaking, and we will keep him there. He wants you to serve him. He wants you to serve him. Why else does he lie to you so much? Why else does he try to get you to doubt his word, to doubt God, to doubt doubt the promises in the scripture, to doubt your own value? to doubt your own giftings that the Lord has given you, to doubt your worthiness. That's the only thing he has. And what you have is you say, I'm not going to agree with that. I will not agree with that. I don't receive that. I am not receiving that. He hopes that if you doubt God, then you're going to believe him. 
The only real tool he has against you is deception. Designed to create doubt and fear in you. When he sees you, when he sees you, he sees the risen Lord in a born-again believer. He sees that. Do you see that? Do you see that in you? Will you take that seriously and apply it to life? He knows, the devil knows that the battle's already been lost unless he can get you to change your mind about God, unless he can make you mad at God, unless he can make you blame God, disbelieve God, disbelieve the word, unless he can get you off guard, unless he can get you to move off the rock of your salvation. You see, God's rock is unshakable. Why, think about this. Why did the serpent come to Eve in the garden? Okay, the beautiful garden, everything's perfect. <sighs> we're just there and we're just resting in the Lord and he's just supplied everything and life is lovely and nothing's wrong. Who would want to give that up? So why did he come to Eve with a lie, with a question, trying to create doubt and confusion? He said, did God really say? Did God really say? Did God really say that you're not supposed to eat that fruit? What a bad God. Did God, really say did God really say you're not supposed to eat that fruit? How many of you have gone through that in your life when, you, when the Lord has told you something, the Lord has shown you a vision, the Lord has given you a promise of the word, and then all of a sudden it's like, did I hear that right, God? <laughs> Come on. I heard it right. From the beginning, Satan's primary weapon has been to get a person to be deceived and intimidated and confused about who you are in Christ. He's the author of lies. He wants you to disbelieve what God has told you, what God has said, to doubt the word, which is Christ. Because any believer, any believer walking in the revelation of who they are in Christ is undefeatable by the devil. And he knows it. The devil knows it. That's why the word of God strongly strongly planted, strongly planted, plant the word every day, every day, every day, strongly planted in our hearts the word, which, the word with which you, it is the word, it is that, it is that strong word in you that will decapitate the head of the devil when he comes to attack. It is the sword of the word. So, you are the one. You are the ones. You are the ones to whom God has given the keys of the kingdom. You are the ones for whom Jesus went to hell and defeated death, hell, and the grave. For you. He did that for you. You are the ones against whom the gates of hell will not prevail. That's you. That's you. Matthew 16, 18. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. He meant there the revelation of, of who the Messiah is, what Christ is, who Christ really is, the reality of Christ. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. But you must stand in your God-given authority and power and dominion. You must believe Jesus above all else. You must know. You must know what you are packing.
You are not packing any light artillery. You've got the big guns. You get that? You have got the big guns. You must draw a line in the sand. You must draw a line in the sand with the word of God and with the sword of the Spirit. You must separate the truth of the word in your heart from the lies and the deceptions of the devil. You must be aware. I must be aware. I must recognize and attack when it comes. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Another translation says, for it is the wellspring of life. So what are you going to put in your heart? The word and the word only. You are called to walk in the truth. And that takes work. It's not always easy. It means that when the devil comes with his attacks, you recognize his attack, not just, you don't just say, oh, well, that's a part of life. Okay? That, that's, that's just life. No, I am not going to acquiesce with that language. I am not going to acquiesce to trouble in my life. I'm not going to say that's part of life. It's not part of life. When the devil comes and he's attacking, I am going to remain secure and I'm going to enforce my God-given authority. I am going to refuse to give up any territory to the devil. This is a war. God's probably really laughing. The devil's the only one that thinks he might have a chance. But it is a war between two kingdoms, and you are already standing in the superseding kingdom. And just like Joshua, we referred to Joshua earlier, just like Joshua, he had to remain in the land. He had to occupy the land. When he saw the wall, he couldn't freak out. Right? He had to stay there and remain on his territory until the wall came tumbling down. And it will come tumbling down when we pray and we listen to the instruction that we get from the Holy Spirit. We must know that we have taken the land. We must know that it belongs to us. We must know that we are the rightful owners. And we must refuse to allow any squatter with no rights to come in and try to steal our land rights. You get that? Do you get that? 1 John 3, okay, by the way, what is your land? What are you believing for? Your land can be any promise that you find in the scripture. 1 John 3, 8, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So we remain in faith, we remain obedient to the word no matter what it looks like. We must cut all cords, all ties with the bombardments of the devil. We must realize how completely powerless they are. Completely divorce ourselves from his bombardments. Completely divorce ourselves from his temptations and from his enticements. The only place that he can gain any territory would be in an unregenerated mind. So we renew our mind to the word. And we stand firmly, we stand firmly, we stand firmly, we stand firmly on the rock of Jesus. And the devil is unable, unable to make inroads into our land. He who builds his house on the rock will stand firm for all eternity. No matter how much shaking is going on around us, we will stand with an inner peace, no matter what's happening, on the rock of Jesus and not be moved. Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. See, that takes diligence. It takes perseverance. It takes work. Put his word into practice. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Thank you, Lord, 
because it had its foundation on the rock. Hallelujah. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. How many of you want to be called a foolish man or foolish woman? No, you don't want that. And you won't be. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So this is a time when the devil, honestly, this is a time when the devil is trying to dismantle is trying to shake, is trying to dismember the body of Christ. We are not going to stand for that. He cannot shake the house that is built on the rock. Every, every believer, every believer is a temple of the Lord. Every believer is a house of God. This is the house of God. When we come together in unity, we are the house of God. 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells within you? So who is in the house? Who is in your house? Who is in your house? If doubt and fear, and intimidation, and disobedience, and pride, and self are in the house, you got problems. Those big problems, but easy to correct in the Lord. Or, in your house, is it the one and almighty living Lord, the God of all the universe, Jesus Christ, the anointed one and his anointing, Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. That's what's in my house. Who is in your house? Is it the lion of the tribe of Judah? Is it El Shaddai, the more than enough God? Is it the all-powerful creator of the universe? Is it the master of love? Is Jesus Christ the one who tore and stepped through the veil with his glorious light shining into your spirit, conquering every darkness? Is it the Lord of glory? Can you just stop and think about that for a moment? You belong to the Lord of glory. You belong to the Lord of glory. I belong to the Lord of glory. I belong to the Lord of glory. Why are you just sitting there? I belong to the Lord of glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, sister. You belong to the Lord of glory. the one and only, the supreme ruler of the universe through whom we rule and reign. We must know that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. 1 John 4, 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than, he, than the one who is in the world. We have to settle this in our spirits. We must make this our first response team in life. 
That's the first responder. When you face a situation, the first responder, greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. You are more than a conqueror through Christ, not through your own doing. Romans 8.37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So like we studied last week, we recognize the evil scheme of the enemy and we employ the weapons of our warfare. The weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. The devil may have tried to build strongholds in your life, but when you recognize them, and you, when you recognize them, you pull them down through Christ. You pull them down. You pull them down. You renew your mind with the truth of the word, and you dissolve those strongholds that have been erected by Satan, but they cannot stand because they're built on lies and deceit. They're built on sand. The word is alive and it works on your behalf. The devil comes to steal your tenacity. He comes to steal your perseverance. He comes to steal that Holy Spirit fire that's been put in you. He tries to make you weary. He tries to sap your strength. We can all identify with these things. But my scripture tells me that I am strong in the Lord and I am very courageous in the Lord. It tells me that the Holy Spirit dwells in me. My scripture tells me that God renews my youth like the eagles. Psalm 103, verse 1, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. That refreshes me. So when the devil shoots the darts, the word is my strength. The word is my shield. My eyes are open to his snares. I will live aware. I will live alert. I will live ready to defend my territory. So I want to just, you know, because I know all this is a lot of scripture and a lot of, like, theory about how we're supposed to live, so I want to just give you two quick examples, maybe from like everyday life, not maybe your everyday life, but everyday life in general, because here is what happens, is Christians, nobody at RCC, but many Christians normalize, normalize the fruit of the devil in their lives. You understand what I'm saying? They normalize things that are not of the kingdom, in their lives. And they say, oh, that's just life. That's just something we have to go through. You know? But it's not. We don't have to receive things that are not the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe that's part of that dream, you know? There's shooting all around. There's chaos all around. But nothing was received inside. You, you understand? So... I just picked two. You can apply this to any emotional, mental disturbance, any, anything that's not the fruit of the Spirit in your life. So I took strife, okay? You find, if, you, if, you, if you see this, you find the word. James 3.16 says, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Okay? So strife is not a normal part of the kingdom. It's not. It's not a fruit of the Spirit. And that's a good way to detect something. Know the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, um, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Gentleness. Gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
So identify if there's something in your life that's hassling you or bothering, and you say, okay, is it one of the fruit of the spirits? But see, what happens is Christians, some Christians, not you, become lazy, and they think, oh, well, that's just, strife is just normal. It's just a part of life. It's not normal. It's not the abundant life that we've been promised. It is, it is abundant death is really what it is. And so it is not just a part of life. It is a part of the dark side of death. You understand that? If the devil is trying to get, what he's doing is he's trying to get you to agree with him so that he can steal the kingdom from you. Right? That's all strife is going to do. It's going to, in a part, in a part of a person's life, it's just going to steal the kingdom. Okay? I'm just trying to be real practical about how to do these things. So my scripture tells me that the love and the peace of God rule in my heart. That's what it tells me. So if I'm not there, I'm going to stand and I'm going to stand and I'm going to stand and I'm going to pray and I'm going to decree and I'm going to ask the Lord, what is the spirit behind this strife? What is the spirit? Because when you are in, if, if someone is in strife with you or vice versa, it is not the person. Never take it out on the person. It is a demonic spirit. There is, there is a spirit behind it. That's that's where the war is. You are never at war with a human being. No human being, whether you agree with them or disagree with them. Okay? So, if my scripture, Colossians 3.13, bear with one another and forgive one another, if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. You can go back and read about all the virtues, okay? Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. He's just given me a command. Right there. He's just given me a command. Let the peace of God, Christ, rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Well, thankfulness must have something to do with peace, or he wouldn't have put it there. So there's, there's a really good clue. I need to start being a little bit more thankful. But I also have a command that I let the peace of God rule in my heart. I don't give way to the strife. I don't open the door that the blood already closed. So if, if, if strife is present, I need to demolish it in the Lord. Not, not, of course, not in my own works. And I do that with spiritual weapons of warfare, okay? I do that with prayer or fasting. I stand on the word. I look in the word, and I see, how does God see me? And then I'm going to see that other person that same way. What does God think about me? I'm going to think that very same thing about that other person, okay? I'm going to extend mercy. I'm going to extend grace, then I decree the truth of the word, okay? And I decree peace in my relationships. I decree peace in my situations. I repent if I need to repent, okay? So when I do this, as I'm doing this, I'm not perfect, but as I'm doing this, I am giving no place to the devil. The scripture tells us do not give place to the devil, Okay? So I will not, at that point when I'm doing this, I close the door and I don't open the door to his operations in my life. I'm shutting the door to his operations. Okay? Another one might be depression of some sort. Now you can take this for any, anything, okay? You can take this for you know, unforgiveness. You can take it for low self-esteem. You can take it for um, anger or rage. You can take it, I mean, w you know, whatever. So what we do is we, we identify that spirit behind the manifestation of the fruit that is not the fruit of the word, that is not the fruit of the spirit, okay? You identify the spirit behind it. So that takes awareness. It takes stopping in your tracks. It takes work. It takes perseverance. 
It takes application of the word. You identify it. This is not a lazy man's gospel, okay? This is not a gospel for inattentive people. You know? Depression, what is depression the opposite of? Okay, well, when I read the fruit of the Spirit, I see joy. Well, it sure isn't joy. It sure isn't peace. See that? So I look at that, and then I think, okay, so where did that come from? Where did that lack of joy, where that, that losing that inner peace? And I think, okay, is there rejection? Do I feel rejected? You know, these are just certain things. Is there rejection in my life? Is there hope some, somewhere where hopelessness got in? Is there some, or fatigue? Is there something where unworthiness has tried to attach to me? Okay? And, see, because those are all spirits of deception. Well, then you recognize those as spirits of deception because they are against what God has already declared and given to you. So, when we realize that those are against the word, we can very clearly recognize them as deception. So we need to know, what have I inherited from God? What have I inherited from What does God think about me if I'm suffering, if someone's suffering? And we need to get that deep in our hearts, and we do that by finding it in the word and meditating the word. And my word tells me that God will never reject me. People around you, everybody is imperfect. You have been hurt, okay? But, it's, but everybody's been hurt. So we go, God, God will never do anything to hurt you. He is only good all the time, only loving, only merciful, even in his uh, discipline. So I go to the Word, and I'm going to find very specific scriptures that show me that God will never reject me. If it's from a feeling of unworthiness, I'm going to go to the Word and find where he calls me worthy. If it's hopelessness, I'm going to go to the Word, and I'm going to find where he talks about hope. And I'm going to take the truth to defeat those lies. So, for instance, rejection. The word tells me that God will never leave me or forsake me. It says, even if my mother and father reject me, he will never reject me. See, he will always see me as his child. So I can go find those scriptures that, that talk about how I'm his child and how I'm loved. So Psalm 27.10, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. He has received you, beloved. If, if it's the unworthiness issue, let me just ask you one quick question, even if you never went to a scripture. Would he have sent his only begotten son to bleed and die if he considered you unworthy? I mean, the fact that he made, had Jesus and that Jesus agreed, both of them, hang on that cross, go through that horrificness, horrific evil, hung on the cross, had to go to hell for you is proof that you are not unworthy. God tells, but I'll give you some scriptures anyway, because God tells us that we are his righteousness. That is, that is amazing 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I don't think the righteousness of God is unworthiness. Right? Romans 3.22, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Then you are the righteousness of God. You are not unworthiness. Okay, let's look at hopelessness. 
Let me just say, nothing is unredeemable. You have never messed up so bad that God has not already brought redemption and made redemption available. There is nothing, nothing, nothing that is unredeemable that you have ever done in your life. My scripture tells me that he is going to complete the good work that he began in me. I love that because we all sitting in this room here today think that there are times that we have messed up so royalty that we have ruined God's plan. I will guarantee there's not one of you that hasn't thought that thought in their life. Well, that's from the pit of hell. That's the devil trying to get you into the dark side thinking. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ, Jesus. That's a promise. He is working his, you are a good work. He sees every single one of you as a good work. My father considers me to be one of his good works, and he is going to help me fulfill my destiny in him. See that? That's what you say to yourself. That's what you believe, because that's the word. He tells me that he does not have plans to harm me. He has plans for my hope, hope, and a future. Okay? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So, beloved, see, that is how we stand. That is how we do the spiritual warfare. So, those are just two examples. You can apply that to anything. But this is how we fight. This is how we defend ourselves from every attack of the enemy. Okay? So, that's what the Lord had me share with you today. And I, I believe, I pray that that's a blessing to your hearts. So we're going to receive our communion.